Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be together tonight to partake of what you have for us. We know for every service that you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have the highest and the best for us. And so we submit ourselves, Father, to uh, cooperate with you so that your will will be done. Because, Father, it's not, the power is not in what a person says. The power is in the word. And so we glorify you and we magnify you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I still have a little bit of uh, material out there. I have a a tape series called uh, Power to Be a Witness. And, you know, we are born again and filled with the Spirit, and we've been given the power to be a witness. And every one of us have a testimony. And there is power in that testimony to witness to someone else that's hurting so that they can come to know Christ. And I took some time with... uh, my congregation, and I begin to tell them, you know, what is your testimony? Write it down. God's done something for you. And you should know your testimony, and you should rehearse it often. Brother Hagen, I mean, uh, uh, Dr. Summerall, excuse me, he said that he would, he didn't go very long without rehearsing his testimony of how God raised him up off of a deathbed. And he said every time it did it, it he he testified to that. It seemed as if uh, health would begin to flow through his body. That's what he believed. And so he always told his testimony of how God showed him uh, a vision of a coffin and a Bible. And it was his choice. And he chose the Bible and instantly was healed of tuberculosis when they had only given him hours to live. He had a testimony and he told it all the time. You and I have a testimony of the good things that God has done. And we should magnify them by telling them to other people. Because you don't know when someone needs that testimony so that they can be convinced that it's time for them to receive the Lord. Amen. I also have another uh, tape series called What's in Your Wallet? (laughs) Do you ever remember that commercial? You know, don't leave home without it. Was I think it was American Express. You know, they showed a car. What's in your wallet? Well, you know, you spend your faith. What's in your wallet? How much do you have? How much clout do you have on your faith card? Because uh, that's what you spend in the kingdom of God. Amen. So I have both those series out there. I didn't bring them up here, but I did. I did announce them to be obedient to what my spiritual father told me to do, Dr. Dufresne. Amen. Tonight we're going to do go a little bit different. I'm going to talk about your faith. Because how many of you know that that is the currency of the kingdom? And sometimes, and really what I found, that when we went through 2020 and just so many things were happening that we had never seen before, we had never experienced before, it began to show us where we had excelled, where we had, we were rooted and grounded in some things, but it also exposed some things where maybe we were not as shored up as we should have been. And that's not to slam anything, but that is to say, okay, now as a pastor, you know, my my congregation was so wonderful at stepping up to the plate and realizing we need our church and for our church to keep going we need to keep bringing our ties even though we're not having services together so they would you know uh, uh, you know they would give their their ties online uh, they would uh, drop it in the slot in the building you know we have a mail slot you know they would do different things so that the church received the finances that it needed to keep going because even though we weren't coming together the bills were still going on And so, you know, they would call us and say, do you need anything? Because, you know, there were shortages of things. You had to, you know, go to different places to find bread or, you know, creamer or whatever, you know. And so there were many of them that would call and say, do the pastors need anything? I'm going to this place or that place. If there's anything they need, uh, you know, let me know. I'll go look for it and I'll bring it. So in that area, they excelled. But a lot of people were still afraid when it came to healing and receiving healing. 
So, you know, you just examine things like that. And you go, okay, this is what we got to work on. You know, they have something, you know, grounded in them. But now we got to work on something else. So really, right after when we got back together, you know, I began to deal with them about their faith. Because sometimes people come to church and they have all kinds of needs. And so they press in and because they're part of a body, you know, there's an anointing just being connected to a church. And there are things that happen for you because you're connected to a local church that you may not even connect why they happen for you because there's an anointing to be part of a congregation. And so people come in and their lives begin to get changed. They begin to feel refreshed. They get burdens lifted off of them. And so they press in. But once that pressure isn't there, sometimes they don't know how important it is to maintain developing their faith. Because you got to keep your faith developed because you don't know what storms are up ahead. And you know, now in this era that we are in, we're having to use our faith for everything. I mean, the, the, you know, they tell us that the economy is shifting. Well, how is the church going to stay above all that if they're not using their faith? They're, 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 they're flooding us with information of more, you know, viruses and diseases and all kinds of things. And, you know, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not saying that that's not there, but I'm saying that as a believer, we have the victory over that if we take hold of our inheritance and the precious promises that have been given to us. We cannot do that without our faith. And sometimes when we come to church and all of the, the waves seem to settle, we forget that there is a continuing in our faith on purpose. You have to know where your faith level's at. And you have to be exercising your faith all the time. There's got to be something that you're standing on all the time in your life. And sometimes I have found in our congregation that people get to a place where life is good, you know. They, they, they're, they're married now. They've got children. You know, life is good. They got good jobs. And then... They have not continued to develop their faith. And so if anything comes to disrupt that, then it tries to throw them off. And that's not what God has for us. Amen. So um, we're going to talk about our, our faith life. Amen. Now, let me take you to Luke chapter 8. The gospel of Luke chapter 8. Uh, let me start in verse 22. And we, these are familiar passages. But it said, it came to pass on a certain day that he, this is Jesus, went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him saying, master, master, we perish. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? Jesus was expecting them to have faith. For as long as they had been with him and what they saw him do and what they had heard him say, he expected them to have some faith. So he asked them, where is your faith? And we have to understand that if Jesus thought it was important enough to challenge them about their faith, how much more important is it now? When there's so many things that, that the, the, the world is bringing that we are facing, you know. And, and to be honest with you, your faith isn't just for you. Your faith is for other people. When other people are in need, you should have a surplus of a measure of faith that you can help them get through some things. And, you know, when people are immature, they don't have knowledge, they can get by on your faith, pushing some things back. So our faith, our faith life is important. He said, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying to one another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the waters and they obey him. Now think about what they, 
what they highlighted. That he took authority. But he's asking them, where's your faith? You know, Jesus is still going to be asking us, where's your faith? Where is your faith on this earth? Amen. And then let's go to Luke 22. And verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. When you read a commentary, it, it says this, that Satan has requested to grind you into powder. To pulverize you. Think about that. He said, Peter, Satan has put a request in for you. Look at what Jesus said. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Notice Jesus didn't pray that he would be exempt from the test or trial that would come. Jesus didn't say, I prayed that he wouldn't touch you. Doesn't say that. He said, I prayed that your faith would fail not. That even in a storm, even in difficulties, my prayer for you is that you maintain your level of faith. Now, how important is our faith life? When Jesus said, you know, where is your faith? And I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. So we've got to become more exercised in understanding how important it is that our faith is developed in every area of our life. In the financial realm, in the physical realm, in our family, in our relationships, at our job, every area. We need to be developing our faith so we can be walking in the level of authority that God has ordained us to walk in in this earth. I heard a minister say this. He said, you know, I'm a faith man. But when you know, this virus or whatever it was came around, he said, and I saw people passing away from it. He said, I said, uh, what's going on here? He, saw, he, was, he was, wasn't talking about non-believers. He was talking about believers. And he said, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And he said, I'm going to hone in on why the effect wasn't different in the church. We, we have to understand that the word is always right. Dr. Frain always told us, listen, it, he goes, even including me, he goes, it's always on man's side. It's never on God's side. So we have to be responsible enough to say, you know, if there's things in my life that need to be changed, then I need to develop my faith to use my authority and to use all of the resources that God has given me to turn some things. We should not be okay with things not being the way our inheritance has, has authored it to be. I, I don't even mention this, but just for preaching's sake tonight, I don't mention the economy, I don't mention gas prices from my poll. I don't, I don't even put that in their ear. Because we were taught long time ago, if gas goes up to $10 a gallon, I've got a supply. We don't look at what the economy is doing. We release our faith when the economy starts doing something that tries to make our life uncomfortable automatically we go, no, I'm using my faith. I'm not going to worry that the bill is double what it used to be. I'm just going to realize that I have a supply that if it goes double or triple, I have a supply to do what God has called me to do. And as a believer, you are a child of God. And God doesn't expect you to be under the circumstances. He expects you to change them. So think about that. We, we, uh, we need to understand that 
The enemy is after our faith. Do you understand? And I'm not trying to, you know, paint the devils of this big boogeyman, but I think that we need to be sober about the enemy. He attacks to steal our faith. He attacks to get us to change what we believe. There are times when we're moving forward towards the plan of God and it looks like it just stopped. What, what is that hindrance? That's the enemy trying to get us to question what we've heard or question the direction that we're going. And that's why it's important to be skillful with what we know. And always understand, I'm going to have, I, listen, I'm going to have to use my faith. You know, one time, it was in about November, and uh, Dr. Frank was getting ready to come to the church, so it's going to be a big meeting. And my daughter, you know, says to me, you know, we have got this large bill due, you know, and um, basically there's not that much in there to take care of it. And, you know, my birthday is in December. My anniversary is in November. You know, fa la 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 la, when October hits and the leaves start changing, it's just a happy time. I love fall and, you know. If when you love a season, you want to have more than enough, you know. So, you know, when she said this to me, and I mean, you know, she wasn't trying to, you know, bring me down or anything, but you know, she's, you know, and of course I'm thinking, you know, we got to take care of this. We got a big meeting to, you know. So these things started to roll around in my head, and I was just about to to say, and the Spirit of God said, be careful the next thing that comes out of your mouth. But let me tell you what I wanted to say. Why is it every time the holidays come around, it just seems like things crop up and it takes the surplus. You know, I, I, it was almost come. And the Lord said, you better watch the next thing you say. He said, you better watch what you say. And then he said to me, he said, do not despise having to use your faith. Because he said, you're going to have to use it for the rest of your life. That's how you get things from the supernatural into the natural. And then he gave the scripture to me in Psalms 91. I will say of the Lord. I will say, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. He said, what you're going to say? And then he gave me a portion of another scripture of the woman with the issue of blood where he said, your faith has made you whole. He gave me these two uh, pieces of these verses. So, of course, I stopped what I was going to say and I went to the word. And I began to study it out, and I, and I realized God was trying to tell me, you can't let what you don't want come out of your mouth, and you better understand that you're the initiator of the flow. That woman initiated the anointing to flow out for her. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. She went to go get something, and then he said, who touched me? So he said, it doesn't have to be a season for you to initiate more to take care of what has come up. You're the initiator. But what was he dealing with me about? My faith. But, but I, I'll never forget when he said, do not despise having to use your faith. Like, oh, why do I got to believe God for this right now? That's the wrong attitude. And sometimes people get under pressure because they have to use their faith. And, and, and we're not supposed to be under pressure when we use our faith because that's how we get everything that, the, that God has provided for us. By believing and receiving it. And so I'll never forget that. That was a big lesson to me. And the, the end of the story was everything worked out. Everything got taken care of supernaturally. But I realized that God was saying, you're the one in charge. Make sure you do the right thing. But if you start to speak out of your frustration, which is your flesh, you're going to have a bigger mess to clean up. Amen. So it's important 
to understand that my faith needs to be developing all the time. You know, uh, the Spirit of God began to deal with us through Pastor Nancy and even Dr. Jacobs, you know, called me and, and said some things that were on his heart about our church and time really to move forward to, you know, uh, getting a piece of land and building a building. And we, we knew, my husband knew that it was past time. And so then um, when we began to move after it, uh, it, you know, of course, you know, when you're comfortable where you're at and your needs are met you know it's just kind of a uh, like a it's a new experience to have to go after something so much bigger but the spirit of God said to me um there's a young couple of young men came back from bible college and they were all stirred up and they said let's let's remodel this place let's get this place looking different you know and the spirit of God told me he said no I want you to do that because the momentum of the change is going to be good for their faith. Now, the minute that we begin to go after this, it looked like the enemy was trying to hinder us in our finances. Now, we've been a whole lot worse places in the beginning before we ever got with Dr. Dufresne. So, you know, that, that doesn't... Uh, frighten us or upset us we know that there's certain things he's going to try to do in certain times so we know to stand our ground but God said it's going to be good for you even though you're not going to you know keep this building in the sense you're not going to be using it for church it's going to be good for their faith to be active going after a project so we said we're going to remodel our um what do we start with uh, our our cafe. We started with the cafe. And once we got the cafe, didn't look so nice. Everything didn't look like it belonged to it. So we just, you know, kept going, you know. And we did it cash because we would just take up an offering, a second offering every service and say, this is for the remodel. And every time we needed something, the money was there. And God said, what you're doing is you're getting them to have a momentum with their faith. You cannot let your faith get stale. There's, it's got to be moving towards something all the time. I, I believe it was uh, uh, Pastor Keith told me that in a prayer line, I believe here at this church, uh, Pastor Johnny told him, you'll always be building. Just by the spirit, you'll always be building. Uh, I think it was Brother Osteen that God told him, always have a building project. And the people excelled because when he got done with one, He'd start another one. I mean, and think about it. God was funding all that because there was an excitement at exercising their faith. But it's just so easy when you don't pay attention to something to let it slip. And uh, we're in an era where God needs some big things out of us, out of us all, you know. And, uh, and so he wants our faith uh, he wants us to have our attention on our faith. Don't put it to the side like something, you know, like an exercise bike that you bought. Have you ever bought an exercise bike and then all of a sudden it became the clothes hanger in your room? You know, or the treadmill. You know, you had good intentions when you got it and then you just thought, well, I really don't want to do this. So you set it aside and then things get piled up on it. I mean, I, I mean, I know we've done it, my husband and I both. So, you know, this is what we don't want to do with our faith. So Jesus says, you know, where is your faith? And then he says, I have prayed. And I think that is so key. I have prayed that your faith fail not. So to get through the storms of life, you want to make sure that your faith doesn't fail in the middle of it. Amen. And then let's go to Luke 18. Luke 18, and let's just go ahead and start in verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that man ought always to pray and not to faint saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a window in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, 
Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now he's asking a question. Will he find, and I think in the Amplified Translation, it says, will he find persistent faith? So Jesus is going to come back and he's going to be looking for some persistent faith. He's going to be looking for our faith. And if we're going to be that glorious church that he's coming back for, then we have to not ignore or put aside our faith life. And it's easy to do when we're not under pressure. You know, faith is not just when you're under pressure. Faith is for everything. And in fact, when you hit a measure of faith, and I know many, you know, of the, the ministers that we, that we, you know, fellowship, you know, we always talk about how God is, you know, endeavoring to get us to stretch. You know, you, you know that there's one thing and God will tell you to do something that takes more faith than what you have. So you got to develop it. And that's how God keeps us going. He, he never lets us go lag back in our faith. He put something in front of us that we can't do. And that is so that our faith will be active and it will be sharp and it will be strong. And I have found in pastoring, there are a lot of people that they don't even think about their faith life unless they're under pressure. When something goes wrong, then they think about their faith life. But they don't try to maintain it every day. And every day we should be trying to have our faith develop exercising it in all kinds of ways. Amen. Now, you know, we have some, um, some profound things that Peter said in first and second Peter about your faith. But I just want to give you some highlights of his resume. And I'm just going to quote the verses. I'm not going to get there, go there because there's, there's so many of them. But first of all, in Matthew 4 and 18 is when Jesus calls Peter. So he was called by the Lord. And then in Matthew 10 too, uh, G, uh, Peter is called to be one of the 12 disciples. So think about that. Then... In Matthew 14, Peter walks on the water. He starts to sink, but he walks on the water. I mean, think about that. He's, he's there with Jesus. And then Matthew 15, 15, Peter engages with Jesus to understand a parable. He says, Lord, expound this parable to us. So think about how active he was with Jesus while he was on the earth. I mean, he's involved. He looks all in. He's just right there. Then you see Peter and he gets a divine revelation. Who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the son of the living God, you know. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. But this has been a divine revelation for you. Then Jesus goes to talk to them about his end. And Peter rebukes Jesus. And said, I'll never let you do this. So one minute he's getting a revelation. Another minute Jesus has to say, get thee behind me, Satan. So, I mean, think about all of this that this one man, the Bible records, is experiencing with the master. And so um, in Matthew 17, Peter asks about paying taxes. The master, they said that, you know, you, you haven't paid your taxes. He said, go and catch a fish. Pay my taxes and your taxes. Now, I mean, who does that? I mean, first you walked on water. Of course, then you looked at the circumstances and you sank. You know, you got a revelation from God. You're the son of the living God, the most high, you know. And then somebody is complaining that your master is, you know, uh, they want to see their tax records. And Peter said, uh... They, they, they want to investigate your tax records. He says, just go catch a fish. Listen, 
pay for mine. And if you're all irritated about it, there's enough will be to pay for yours too. I mean, this is Peter. You know, sometimes he had some like, like great faith, you know, experiences. And then there's other times he just bottoms out. Think about that. And so then in, um, in Matthew 18, Peter asks him, how many times should we forgive someone? And he goes, seven times? And Jesus said, seven? How about seven times 70 in a day? In a day. You're, gonna, you're just going to live a life of forgiveness. But that was Peter that asked. The Bible records that. Now, I'm talking about the one that wrote First and Second Peter. Think about that. Think about what was, what he experienced, what he saw, what he gleaned from being with the master. I mean, it was huge. And, you know, when you're going to be in the forefront, you know, they say that the guy that makes the decisions, he's potentially going to make the most mistakes because he's in charge. I, I'm not saying that he's making all the mistakes, but if they give you 10 decisions to make, you know, you're going to make more mistakes than the guy that gets only one decision to make. I mean, you know, just the ratio of what you're doing. So then, you know, in Matthew 19, it talks about the rich young ruler. And, and Jesus said how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And really what he's saying, someone that is, you know, that, that is attached to riches. And Peter says, well, then who can get in? This guy was a fisherman. And obviously he wasn't a, a, a poor man. So he's like going, now, wait a minute. We, we, we got to hear this because I'm getting a little baffled here. You're saying it's, you know, easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. I mean, come on. I mean, we got money here. And so he's the one that investigates to get Jesus to say something else. This is the one that Jesus said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to pulverize you. He wants to beat you to a pulp. And I'm not praying that he doesn't get that opportunity. But I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. Think about that. Somehow we have this unspoken understanding that the believer is never going to have to use their faith in difficult times. And that is wrong. That is wrong. And we're not looking for difficult times. We're not believing for difficult times. But there are times that come where our faith has to maintain to get us through when the mind cannot understand what's going on. Sometimes your mind can't understand what's going on. But on the inside, your spirit man will stay strong. Let me tell you, when Dr. Dufresne exited, I, when, I, when they finally convinced me that, you know, he was gone on to be with the with the with the Lord and to receive his reward I remember it was in the morning and I went in to take a shower I looked in the mirror and I said God I'm going to tell you something I'm so thankful for the time that I had with this man it was an honor and a privilege that you brought him into my life but I want to declare to you right now that Jesus is my savior and you are my father and nothing is going to change that I was not disrespecting the memory of doctor but what I was really declaring to hell to demons as I made this confession to God listen you may have tried to rip something out of my life but I still have a savior and I still have a heavenly father and I'm going to go on and you have to in times like that your faith is what gets you through Listen, like I said, you're, you know, you're my, you know, you can get into the, oh my God, why we just saw, him. I mean, I'm a human being. I understand that, but I also knew I can't live there. I can't live there. I better draw from the inside. I better draw from what this man imparted to me and, and stand up and declare boldly. You know, I appreciated the man. I appreciated the office, the mantle. I loved the man. 
but I have a savior. And so the devil's not going to use this to get me off course. He's not going to use this to try to put fear in my life. He's not going to use this to get me to minimize the word or the power that's in the word. That's why your faith has to be strong. That's why you have to maintain your faith so that when something happens that you did not expect, you can boldly say, my trust is in you, Lord. And I knew that morning, I better declare that. And listen, I was worshiping God with those words, but I was letting devils know, you're not going to try to harass me over this. You're not going to try to put me in fear. You're not going to try any of that because I know who my Savior is. I know who came in my room the morning that I knew I had to give my heart and my life to the Lord. And I reminded myself of that day, Jesus, you're my Savior. Father, you're my Father. And though I would wish that we didn't have to go through this right now, I am still going to love you and serve you and do what you've called me to do and honor what this man has put in my life by doing that. I pray that your faith fail not. I have a couple and I'll just be honest with you, I don't know how many miscarriages they had. But I know this one particular miscarriage. The baby really delivered at home in the bathroom with the husband and wife. And they had to wrap the baby up, which the baby was not alive. They had to wrap the baby up and they had to, you just can imagine what you got to do. Take her to the hospital. But I mean, this was like a real deal. This happened at home. They wanted kids for so long. They worked in the nursery. They, were, they just sewed into that area believing God. And I'll tell you what, I was so proud of them, even though this girl, you know, after you know, she came home, they, they released her from the hospital. She came home. She went into her room, and she just didn't communicate with anybody for a few days. She had to get her composure. But she said, I got to go to church because we were getting ready to leave somewhere. And she goes, I got to go to church and be in service and hear my pastor before, before they go. But that girl, that husband and wife, they did not stop trying. And today they have three beautiful children that it took them 12 years. 12 years. And really, I don't know how many miscarriages. But I'm, I'm so proud of them that even though they went through some horrific experiences, heart-wrenching, their faith did not fail. And they got to receive the promise that God had for them. How many people would quit? How many would people would say, that's just too painful? I just can't do that again. You know, I had a... A friend, he was a, a, he was a mentor. He was my, my pastor's spiritual father. And, and then he took a, a, an interest in, in my husband and I, and he sort of mentored us. He was a, 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 a black minister. He was a, a really an evangelist from California, but really he ministered. He was more well-known in the Detroit area and, you know, other areas, more than California, but he did minister in California. And, you know... He got a dog, and it was a Cocker Spaniel, and I have Cocker Spaniels. And so he just got so intrigued with this dog. His daughter was, you know, grown and out of the house. It was him and his wife. And so he would tell me how smart this dog was, and so we would, you know, share doggy stories. One morning he called me up, and he was a preaching machine. He goes, uh, 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 Col Col Colbert here, Colbert. I said, Brother Colbert, it was a Sunday. Uh, 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 uh. A sad thing happened. I said, Brother Colbert, what happened? Sprint. He went on. Sp that was his dog's name. Sprint. He went on. I go, oh, Brother Colbert. He goes, I I I'm, I'm going to go preach in Fresno, but I'm going to come by your house and give you some stuff. Because he had, you know, the leash and all this. He wanted to get, because he knew as a dog person. 
So when he came to the door, this is a breaching machine, I'm just telling you what, at least old school. I mean, you know, he was in Oral Roberts meetings. You know, he was in uh, uh, AA, uh, not Alan, who was it, the prophet that could see? William Branham. He, William Branham means, I mean, this is, how, this is the era. Comes to the door, and boy, I tell you what, here's a tear. I said, Brother Colbert, let us get you another dog. No. Uh, 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 uh. Mm. Oh, Brother Colbert, really? He goes, it's too painful. It's too painful. I went, okay, Brother Colbert. He had one dog in his lifetime, and he didn't want to go through that emotional. <laughs> okay, it was about a dog. But I'm just telling you that people do that about bigger things. They don't want to you know, have to go through something like that. And I'll tell you what, I was so thankful that this couple, their faith did not fail. And they've got three beautiful children. Two of the girls, they had two girls in the beginning, one and then the other. And they were premature, so that the first one had to stay in the hospital for months till the lungs were developed. And then the second one, I think she had to stay a certain amount of time. But the third one, which was a boy, went full term. He was a baby at home. What you know, came home when they came home. I mean, and it was just something to rejoice over. But they would not have rejoiced if their faith had failed in that test and trial. I'm not trying to, you know, put anything on you that something's coming. No, I'm just saying that in life, there's enough that we see going on that we realize, listen, I got to make sure that my faith is intact. And when something tries to shake my faith, I better make a bold declaration of what I believe. Listen, I mean, I've had to sometimes say to God with tears streaming down my face and, and my emotions all messed up and say, God, I love you and I trust you. And I know you didn't do this to me. And I'm telling you what, everything in my flesh and my emotions was going the other way. But I still made that bold confession of faith. We have to understand that. And, and, and it's not because we're looking for dark times to come. It's just because life is here. Amen. And so in Matthew 26, Jesus predicts of Peter's failure. And Peter says, never. I'll never do that. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to die for you. But not too much longer after that. Jesus is asking Peter if he wouldn't just tarry and pray with him. He fell asleep. I mean, you think about that. Jesus tells him the enemy wants you, but I'm praying that your faith fail not. Then he tells him, Peter, listen, before a certain time, you're going to deny me. He says, no way, no way, no way. And then he goes to the garden and he tells them to come and to pray, and they couldn't. Think about that. You know, I, I'm sure he had to reflect on that later on. I couldn't even pray with him in his hour of need. And then when they tried to get me to identify with him, I denied him. This is, this is Peter's resume. But I love that this is the man that talks to us about our faith in First and Second Peter. He cautions the church so eloquently after all that he had been through. He said, let me write this to help you. You know, sometimes he, you know, he, he made an A and sometimes a D and sometimes an F. But he was still called by God. And he had some great things to say to us about our faith. Amen. Amen. And then let's go to 1 Peter. First Peter 1 and 13. Remember, he's gone through all of this. And here he tells us, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Think about that. He says, protect your mind. I've been through some things. I'm telling you from experience. Protect your mind. Because you understand that after all of this, he felt like a failure. Jesus had to come after him 
after the resurrection. But now he's giving us, you know, some uh, sound help for us to succeed. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Think about that. If you're going to develop your faith, you got to renew your mind. And then you got to watch what goes in that mind. What tries to disturb you. If it tries to disturb you, you better keep it out of your mind. You don't meditate on something that's going to disturb your thought life too long. Because I tell people, if you meditate on something too long, you're going to get yourself in a ditch. And somebody's going to have to help get you out. When you've gone too far, you're going to need help. Amen. And then in verse 22 of First Peter 1, he said, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit under unframed love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So here is a man that's really for people's longevity. So their faith doesn't fail. He said, gird up the loins of your mind and listen, pay attention to your love walk. He said, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, obey the truth and pay attention to your love walk. Your faith does not work without love. Your faith works with love. So if we're going to have a strong faith life, we've got to have a strong love walk. So we can't let offense, we can't let hurt feelings, we can't let anything disturb our love walk. When someone does something to you and you can't get over it, it's really not about them. It's about the enemy trying to weaken your faith. You got to find a way to go, I'm going to get this off of me because it's not about them. It's about my faith life. And so I got to, you know, I got to get with God. Well, I'm going to push this over. I'm going to forget it. I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm not going to let it get in there and dig around with me. Because to have a strong faith life, I have to have a strong love walk. And I have to be someone that obeys. He said, you purified your souls. Why? In your obedience. And these things are important. They've always been important, but... Let's just face it. We have seen things in this country that we never thought we'd see on all levels. And so, you know, if that's the truth, the only way we overcome what's out there is by the spirit and by the word. That's how we overcome. We we don't fight flesh and blood. (laughs) No, ours is a spiritual battle. And it is about learning how to extract our inheritance so that we can overcome anything that would come against us. Amen. So he says, gird up the loins of your mind, purify your souls in obeying. And then verse 23, he says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Remember, the seed of the word of God is incorruptible. It works every time. The word of God has power. And don't ever minimize that. The word of God is what will change things in your life. And when something comes, you get that word on it. You let the word do the work. I appreciate how Pastor Nancy used to uh, uh, instruct us. We went to mentoring and she would say, you know, if there's something that you're dealing with, get one or two scriptures. Put them on a three by five card and every day remember to rehearse them. Why? You're strengthening yourself when you rehearse the word and the truth that's in the word. Because when you release that word, something happens in the invisible realm. Dr. Frank used to say, remember, we live in two worlds. A seen one and an unseen one. And the unseen one is more real than the seen one. 
So when something happens in this visible realm, we have that invisible realm that we can tap into to change what's going on in this visible realm. And of course, this church has been taught about angels and we, we if we don't have the discerning of spirits, we can't see them. But it doesn't mean that they're not real. And they're not, and it doesn't mean that they're not here to help us. And how do we release them? By faith. Faith is our currency. It's almost like the believer thinking they can maintain their life without a job. You know, the natural man knows if I'm going to, you know, buy a house, pay my PG&E, put gas in my car, I got to have a job. But the spiritual man sometimes neglects the fact that if I'm going to operate from the promises of God... I got to get a hold of my faith and begin to develop it. Because in the natural, I would never think I could exist without a job. We just don't think that. But spiritually, sometimes we think that we can take hold of the promises of God without accurately uh, developing and having a handle on our faith level. And, and it, it's so important. Amen. And verse, let's go on. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass wither and the flower uh, grass withereth and the flower thereof fadeth away. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The word of God endures forever. The word of God endures forever. Never gets old. Never gets weak. You can pick up the word anytime. And it's going to work for you. Anytime. Anytime. And we have to know that. Sometimes the enemy will suggest, well, that's how you got through that. But that scripture is not going to work for this. Wait a minute, if I pick up that word, it'll work. Anytime I want to pick up that word, it'll work if I believe it. But he tries to subtly put thoughts in that will cause you to draw back into doing what you need to do so you can change a circumstance in your life. You got to be careful for that. Amen? Amen. Well, did you learn something tonight? Tonight... What I want to do is because the Spirit of God instructs me wherever, wherever I go that at least one night to lay my hands on people. I believe in impartations. I believe that there are impartations that will strengthen you. And we get them from people that are exercise and bear fruit. And so when God instructs me, when you go somewhere, at least take one service and lay your hands on people for impartations. And I want to do that tonight. Amen. If that's what you want. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.